Welcome back to the Total Recaps Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Melendez, and here we talk everything Miami Heat, and we got a lot to get into. I know we are currently in a very quiet moment in the offseason. Not a lot has happened, especially since we're still waiting on Durant and Donovan Mitchell uh, to find a new home, but in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the state of the Heat getting into everything that has happened so far this offseason, talk about whether there's any traction going on in those Kevin Durant or Donovan Mitchell talks, see who's in the lead to try to get them, and then see what are our expectations of the Miami Heat going into next season, and more importantly, training camp with no moves done. Because at the moment, it's not looking too good. The Miami Heat have certainly not made the noise that we were expecting going into this offseason. In fact, we've actually lost a couple players. In fact, we've lost one very important player that we all know about. So, yeah, let's get into it right away with the loss of P.J. Tucker. You know, with him going, of course, to a rival in the Philadelphia 76ers for that full three-year mid-level exception, ended up coming out to $33 million. It certainly hurts. He was one of our key rotation players. He was a player that at the end of the game, you could say he will be closing those lineups because of his defense, you know, and his IQ, his ability to just make the right play time and time again. Of course, his personality fit he culture perfectly and just losing him alone hurts, but then losing him to a player, uh, to a team that we know we're going to be facing at some point in the finals or, you know, it's definitely a potential playoff matchup there. Um, hurts in the end, you know, because you're we're probably going to find CPJ Tucker and he's probably going to be matched up against uh, Jimmy Butler. And it's just, it just hurts. So losing him was not ideal. However, with all this news coming out with Kevin Durant and of course, later on Donovan Mitchell, you can't blame the Miami Heat front office for waiting, not strapping themselves to that PJ Tucker contract who at right now 37 years old, or I believe 36, will be practically 40 by the time this contract is up. And it's it's a lot of money to give to a player at his age. It really is. And even though it hurts, it was the kind of decision that you can't you can't blame the front office for. Like whatsoever. They they had to do what they had to do there. And uh, they did make a few minor moves, uh, bringing in Victor Oladipo and Dwayne Dedman back on two-year contracts. Uh, with Oladipo, he has a two-year $18 million contract. Originally, it was uh, reported to be a one-year $11 million contract, but we were able to get that to two years, get us under the tax, uh, helped us in terms of the um, you know the, the cap space situation. It was able to help us out there, and Victor Oladipo has a player option at the end of this contract. So, you know, we have our sixth man there, especially if we end up keeping Tyler Hero because the way things are looking now, you know, we'll get into it a little bit later in the show. Uh, but it looks like Tyler Hero would most likely be our starting shooting guard going into the season, which, in my opinion, is not a bad thing. I mean, we could be doing a lot worse than we are right now, of course, with the thought of being able to, to bring in a generational talent like Kevin Durant. Going into the season with Tyler Hero as your starting shooting guard isn't you know, the preferred situation, but unfortunately we don't get to make those decisions right now. That is all on, uh, the franchises that have those players. So like I was saying, bringing back Oladipo was really smart deal. Bringing back Deadman, I like the move, especially with the second year not being guaranteed, 
because we're not really sure what we got in Omer Yurtsevin yet. So going into the season with him as our only backup center option was not ideal. So now having Deadman on, you know, a $4 million contract for this season as, you know, a surefire backup that you can go to if Omer Yurtsevin does not work out, I like that move there for us. But obviously we would like to see Omer Yurtsevin have a little bit of improvement going into this next season and where he can be a viable backup option to do, to uh, Bam Adebayo. Um, the other move I liked was Caleb Martin coming back, especially after losing P.J. Tucker. Had to bring back a guy that can fit that mold. Of course, you're hoping that he's not your starting power forward going into next season, but he did re-sign on a three-year, $20 million option with that third year having a, a player option. I like that move. It's a cheap deal, only about $8 million. No, listen, that's about six. I think it's like $6.9 million uh, or $6.8 million per season. That is a very, very good deal there. We get a lot of value out of Caleb Martin that way. He's probably going to be coming off the bench. But now with this commitment to him, you know he's going to be a part of that rotation. So especially with what we saw from him last season, just his ability to to run the floor, his athleticism, his defense, obviously is one of the first things you'll, you'll notice from him. Uh, just bringing him back on that kind of deal is exactly what the Heat needed after losing to, on, out on Tucker. Uh, the only other moves they made after that was signing Darius Days and Marcus Garrett to a two-way contract and bringing in um, undrafted rookies Orlando Robinson, Jamal Kane, and Jamari Bouye. To, uh, to training camp on Exhibit 10 contracts. So, obviously... Oh, and I completely forgot. We obviously drafted Nikola Jovic with the number 27 overall pick. Saw him a little bit in Summer League. Haven't talked at all about him. I was tr I was hoping to do a couple um, episodes on him, or at least one episode on him when that was going on, but I got extremely busy with my other job. Didn't get to it. So, unfortunately, I'm going to be talking about him now in short in a short work because uh, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on Nikola Jovic, especially since we didn't really see a lot from him during the summer league. You got a little bit out of him in the first couple games or I would say the first two games. But then after that, he wasn't really used that much. He started seeing a lot more from the other players. I guess they knew that he was going to be a project and that's most likely where this is heading this season unless he can figure it out. It just kind of feels... Like, the NBA is a little bit quick for him. Especially, you know, if the Summer League looked quick for him, he had a couple good moments, but he was just far too inconsistent with his shot and just his feel, you know, for the game. It, it just didn't look right. He looked like he needs at least a year in the G League to get reps and develop his game. Because right now, he certainly is not ready to join the rotation, which is unfortunate, but... It is what it is. I mean, I was actually hoping we would end up trading that number 27th overall pick, and we certainly still could. Uh, even though we signed Jovic to that uh, rookie contract, he's already eligible to be signed to a deal, or to be traded, I'm pretty sure, at least will be in a week or in a week and change, if anything. So uh, I still feel like Jovic is on the cards to be traded with Duran and Mitchell waiting in the wings to join a different team. Or, well, I know Mitchell isn't. He hasn't voiced his displeasure with the Jazz or anything like that, which is kind of odd, but it is what it is. Obviously, Durant certainly is waiting, but it's all just a waiting game at the moment. So that brings us into if there's any traction on moves for Kevin Durant and Don or Donovan Mitchell. And at the moment, it's been nothing. It's completely quieted down on those fronts uh, due to the high asking prices of both the Jazz and the Nets, which 
you know, is completely understandable with both teams having literally no motivation to get a deal done quickly with multiple years still left on both Mitchell and Durant's contracts. I think Durant has four, Mitchell has three. So there's no reason for the Nets or the Jazz to feel pressured into getting a deal done. Even with Durant requesting a trade to the owner, he has no leverage here. You know, the, the he they can easily just bring him into the season and he would, what is he going to do? He's going to sit out? He's not going to do a Ben Simmons. Like, it, that's just not the way Durant is. He won't do that. So he's going to end up playing. Uh, for sure, the Nets are going to continue to look because they want to, but they're going to get the best value from him. And of course, a lot of reports coming out that the Nets are going to be looking for the greatest haul in trade history, which no one team can offer. The only team that can seriously offer that is what? The Knicks? Because of their, or I guess, OKC, which is kind of funny because of their, you know, haul of draft picks that they've collected over the years, Sam Presti in that front office. So I don't know. Those are really the only two teams. But obviously for Durant, he doesn't want to go to, you know, a middle of the pack team or a rebuilding team. He wants to go somewhere where he can compete for championships right away, which is what makes this extremely difficult. What team that can compete for a championship can sell or give the assets needed to get Durant and still be able to compete. It's just not possible. So, of course, uh, I actually recently talked to a, a very credible reporter. Don't want to name him, but I saw him at my job, talked to him for a bit, asked him what he thought on these Durant deals. And, you know, was telling me about the owner, uh, Cy, how he just does not want to lose. And with Rudy Gobert getting that crazy, con you know, uh, that, that crazy trade value, it obviously ruined the offseason, made things much more difficult for uh, the Nets and the Jazz to get the kind of deal they're looking for. If anything, of course, they did them a favor in some ways because now they're going to have to get, you know, absolutely immense value for either one of those guys. Because I guarantee you, around the league, the consensus is Donovan Mitchell is more valuable than Rudy Gobert. So... I get it, the Minnesota Timberwolves wanted to win right now, and so they did exactly what they needed to do to bring in a generational defensive talent. However, completely ruined it for the rest of the NBA and all of our enjoyment of being able to see guys like Durant or Mitchell switch teams in the offseason. So right now, I feel like the more likely scenario is that both these guys, more likely Durant ends up with their the same team that they're on and has to play out most of the season with that team Donovan Mitchell on the other hand I mean I could certainly see a move where the Knicks just finally give in or are like fine take all of our draft picks only take Quentin Grimes like whatever let's make the contracts match and then but we're keeping RJ like kind of what uh what, what the Timberwolves just did for the Jazz and I mean which is kind of insane to think because that means the Jazz are going to end up with like 10 draft 10 to 11 draft picks off these two players alone, which is just incredible move by Danny Ainge. I mean, to be able to make this work and doing the, pretty much the same thing he did with the Boston Celtics, where he sold the big three to the to the Nets, and he's about to do it uh, to the Knicks. Uh, I don't know. It's just it's just kind of insane. Um, Danny Ainge, man. I mean, doing his thing. I, I'm very impressed. But yeah, that that's kind of where I'm looking at this. Uh, it. it no, there's really not going to be any traction. Most likely, the only move that I see happening is Donovan Mitchell moving on to the Knicks because the Knicks are the only team that have the enough assets to just make a one-on-one -on -one deal. 
And with their, what am I trying to say? With most of their attention being focused on Donovan Mitchell, it's just going to make the move for Durant that much more impossible. So it would have to be a multi-team deal. Uh, The Miami Heat, if they wanted to get this done, they would have to try to bring OKC into it, first of all, so they can try to get... um, what is it, protections off of certain picks that they have sent to them already so they can free up other picks that they can trade. Uh, That's really their only option. And so bringing in OKC to make it a three, maybe even a four-team deal, and that's really the only way something like this happens. Of course, I never, you know, doubt Pat Riley and his genius. Of course, Andy Ellisberg as well. You know, him and him doing his numbers there, that's that's what keeps the Heat competitive year in and year out. These guys doing that kind of work behind the scenes and making sure that the Heat, you know, can get guys like this and and be in positions to make moves like this. So, you know, all in all, d- despite you know the talks and all the noise around Durant, Mitchell, and the Heat having quieted down, I'm still happy just knowing that the Heat are still in these conversations. It's not over. You know, the Heat still have a pretty solid piece in Tyler Hero that has not been extended yet for obvious reasons. You know, and there hasn't been any reports of Tyler Hero's camp being, uh, you know, upset about not getting the money yet. He's going to get his money. It's just where. And obviously with players like Durant being available, you can't be upset when you're, you know, still on your rookie deal. It's just not the way things work. When it's a player of this caliber, and I've heard this said on Five Reason Sports time and time again, you, you're not going to get upset when it's a player of this caliber. Kevin Durant could possibly be traded here for you. That's just, you know what I mean? Like, I, no one really knows what that feels like unless that's happened to you, you know, getting traded for a generational talent. But I'm sure it's not, oh, I, I can't believe this team wants to get rid of me for him. Like, come on, I'm obviously better. Like, no one's going to be thinking that way when Kevin Durant's on the other side. It's just the plain facts of the matter. So now... With that being said, and and us most likely going into the season with the team we currently have, which is what has been reported over the last couple weeks, cons- more consistent by the day. It's just it just seems like this is the way we are going, which is unfortunate, but it's just the fact of the matter. So let's just go to what our roster is going to be looking like, which of course now places a lot of pressure on guys like Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo to be even better two-way players, like. Bam Adebayo was obviously in Defensive Player of the Year conversations. That needs to continue, possibly even be, you know, a finalist, top three. And his offense production is going to have to take a step up. Now, with Tyler Hero being in the starting lineup, certainly that changes things. And I actually feel like that does wonders for Bam Adebayo because whenever Tyler Hero was on the floor, he was looking for Bam. Whenever, on the, whenever they were in those pick-and-roll situations, Tyler was able to find Bam off on the roll and and he was able to get things going. So I like the lineups with Kyle Lowry, Hero, Butler, Bam, and Struess. Maybe they go Duncan Robinson for the start of the season, see if they can get him going again. But for the most part, I feel like he's just going to be a bench player, which certainly hurts when he's taking about 10% of your cap space. And and you look at the top four guys on our on, on our uh, payroll, which is Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Kyle Lowry, and Duncan Robinson. They take up over seventy percent of the payroll, which is not good when you consider the fact that Kyle Lowry is certainly just only getting older, and Duncan Robinson is a one-way player. It's 
that, if anything, that was the move I really wanted to make, try to move Duncan Robinson this season uh, to get something else. But with again, with Duran and Mitchell still in the cards, you can't dump that kind of contract. You know, because if you bring in Harrison Barnes instead, you can't. You're not going to be able to trade Harrison Barnes until I believe it's like February or Jan. I forgot what the deadline is. I'm not 100% sure on that. But you know, right now you can use Duncan Robinson to make contracts match. If you trade him, obviously that's not going to be possible. And whatever you get back, you can't trade until much later. So that's why they're right now they're in a waiting game, which I'm fine with if in the end it comes out okay. But And in the end, I mean, the Heat are still competitive. Just be okay with that. Be, you know, you have to be happy with the fact that the Heat are still going to be a solid team this upcoming season. They're still going to be in line to possibly get home court advantage in the, off se- in, um, in the playoffs. Probably not going to be better than teams like the Boston Celtics or the Milwaukee Bucks. They'll probably be on par with the Philadelphia 76ers, but it's just, I don't know, it, it, it certainly hurts when we were that close. And that's probably the part that hurts the most of it. The fact that we were like one three-pointer away from possibly making it to the finals and making a chance to win an NBA championship. And now we're, we've, we've kind of regressed and we don't have an option to really make ourselves better. Certainly that hurts the most out of all of it. But the Heat are competitive. They've brought back a lot of the same guys. The continuity is still going to be there. Jimmy Butler is going to be on about $37 million next season. If that goes up to about $46 next season and $50 the year after that. So this year is the is pretty much the last season before we start paying him like Buku like max dollar top player in the NBA type money. So, I mean, the move is right now. Like, we got to bring in someone now at some point this season because he's not going to be able to do it moving forward. We're not going to have the money, and it's just going to make it even tougher as, you know, the years go on because, you know, you have Bam Adebayo under contract for the next four years, which is great. He's already stated that he wants to be a Miami Heat player for life. He wants to be the next UD, which is great. All good things. But in my opinion, we need to see him be even better this upcoming season. You're getting paid $30 million. You are one of the best defensive players in the entire league. Arguably the best. You're easily the most versatile, in my opinion. I mean, that shouldn't even be an argument. Versatility, Bam Adebayo has that in spades. But when you're talking about a guy that can go out there and and just impact winning in a in, on both sides of the floor, that's what I want to see from Bam Adebayo. He's got the capabilities, and he does it time, you know, just too far in between are those moments like where I see Bam Adebayo just take over a game. We need to see that because you you know what you're gonna get from Hemi Butler. After what we saw in the playoffs last year, you know, and you, you you know you're seeing the dreads. This man coming in with new looks. He's ready to have another dominant season. I know what we're getting from Jimmy. Same thing from Kyle. Kyle Lowry, the elder statesman. He's gonna come in. No disrespect there, but that guy is an absolute beast. He's gonna come in, play well. You know, be the playmaker that we need him to be. Score points in in some games. It's gonna be really similar to ne- to last season. I truly believe that. You know, Tyler Hero, I feel like he's also going to play extremely well next season. He's just going to get even better. There's there's a lot of things to like going into next season. Even, you know, a bench that that has Victor Oladipo, Caleb Martin, 
Um, Max Struess, Gabe Vincent, you know, maybe Omer Yurtseven or Dwayne Dedman, depending on who. Like, we're going to have a good bench. We'll have a solid starting, uh, you, know, you know, we're going to have a solid bench, a decent starting lineup. We need to sure up that power forward position. Obviously, that's, you know, the biggest question mark right now at the moment, which is why I recently had that article about, you know, what possible options we can get at power forward or center to match up against, you know, match up with, Bam out of bio, you need to find someone to fill that spot. Because at the moment, I feel like you're looking at either Caleb Martin or Jimmy Butler. I mean, it, to me, it, it really comes down to that. Because you can't go Duncan Robinson or Max Struess at the four. That just doesn't make any sense. They're not going to be able to handle, you know, NBA fours on the defensive end, especially Duncan Robinson. You know, Max Struess, he can probably hold his own. And with all the switching, you know, it could work there, but most likely I would like to see Jimmy Butler there with Max Struess at the three, Hero at the two, and then you got Lowry at the at the one. That, to me, is probably the more ideal lineup if this is the team that we go in with. But all in all, I'm, I'm still happy with where we're at. You know, with, with the Heat being in these conversations, you know Pat Riley's not going to quit until he, you know... Until he has his championship, he's you, you, there's been reports on it time and time again. Pat Riley wants to win a championship. This team is not quitting until they have that roster. So just know that there are people behind the scenes doing what they have to do to make this team a contender, and it will eventually get done. So that's all I got for you guys today. Hope you enjoyed. Uh, wherever you guys are listening, whether it's Apple Podcast, uh, Spotify. On my off my website. I appreciate you guys listening in and I'll catch you guys next time.